What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back on the show. You know where to find us on Twitter. We have a little bit of an interesting episode here uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit about the recent games, but for the most part, we're actually going to spend today's episode talking about uh, potential coaching hire for uh, the Wizards when they inevitably don't retain Scott Brooks. His contract is up after the season, and he just doesn't deserve to be back in any sort of capacity. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about these uh, recent stretch of games. So last night, the Wizards actually won. Um, they're now 6-15 and 15 on the year. They beat the Chicago Bulls. I guess we can more just talk about that game because the losses are just, I mean, I mean they kind of are what they are. Um, but... Let's talk about the win for a second. So, Rui got a little bit more opportunities last night. Um, they decided to start Davis Bertans, and Denny went to the bench. And I thought it was interesting that they chose that. But I will say that I did enjoy when Denny came in. He became one of the primary ball handlers right away. That was one of the more noticeable yeah. things for me. Now, I still think you can make that happen if you start both of them because – I would prefer Russ and Brad kind of run the first string, and then you take out Denny and Rui maybe around the the eight seven minute mark, and then you put the and then like you put Matthews and Bertans in or whatever, and then you put Denny and Rui back in to basically just kind of run the second unit and finish out the half. So um, that was just something that stuck out with me. I thought Alex Len. Uh, played a really solid game. I think he's clearly, as of now, um, excluding Thomas Bryant, is the best center on the roster. No uh, which is weird because we just signed him like what a, a couple weeks ago, and he's already kind of having um, a really solid impact. And um, Matthews hasn't been shooting the ball well lately. Bertans is getting better, but still isn't where we need him to be. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on the game last night against Chicago? Um, I mean, I uh, I saw some encouraging things defensively. Like there were a couple times where, you know, they forced uh, shot clock violations or, you know, bad shots at the end of the shot clock against Chicago. And not only did they force the bad shot, they boxed out and secured the rebound. Um, so I, I saw some encouraging things. Encouraging things uh, with them. There wasn't there wasn't a random you know uh, wizards killer player to have a career high versus us. I mean Zach Levine got off you know here and there, but I think when it really mattered, he wasn't really a factor. Uh, a lot of that credit goes to uh, Denny because uh, I saw some numbers that I think he held. I think he held Levine on three of ten shooting when he guarded him. Um, but against everybody else, Levine went nine of sixteen. Yeah. So uh, that was positive in the fact that Brooks actually trusted him with that assignment um, down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Because uh, you know it was a couple instances where he was leaving Bill on him, and I was just like, "That's you know that's that's not that's not to your advantage." I love Brad, but I'm not putting him on Zach Levine to win a game for me. Um, but yeah, I, I saw some encouraging things. Ish Smith did an amazing job on Kobe White. I mean, if there was a guy that would go off and have one of those wizard killer career high days, it would have been Kobe. Um, because that's just his mentality. He's more of a two to me than a than a point. 
And Ish Smith did a good job on him. I mean, he got up under him, got in his chest, and really just suffocated him. Like he didn't, he didn't have space to get nowhere. Um. So so, I, and then Alex Smith, Alex Lynn to me was the MVP of the game. Uh, I mean, Brad yeah. got beat horribly. Hor- like if if Alex Lynn wasn't in on that final possession, we probably talking about a game that goes to overtime. Um, because <laughs> Bill got beat horribly on that last possession. I don't know why he picked up uh, Levine that far out. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Levine just blows by him. And then he gets to the rim, and, and Lynn just textbook fundamental verticality using his size and length and created a tough layup for, for Levine. And they got the rebound, and they won the game off of that. But Lynn, the whole game, I mean, his, his ability off pick and roll, dunking the ball with some force, uh, getting those early touches allow him to set proper screens and, and rebound and defend on the other end towards the back end of the game. He he was my MVP. I feel like that's what they've been needing pretty much since Scott Brooks has been here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but um, I mean, I guess you'll take the wins where you can get them. It still doesn't really change my outlook on how the team should be managed going forward, but um, the the first step in really doing that is going to be getting a new coach in here and new management, but we'll save the management for um, another episode once we can do more research on uh, potential GM hires and uh, maybe get more of a feel for if they're really going to bring Tommy back or not, because if they are, then there's really not a point in having the conversation, but uh, the, yeah. I mean, there's no way they can bring Brooks back at this point. So the, we, we have to have, this talk and I guess now would be a good time to do it because the Wizards are not going to be a playoff team and the season will be what when does the season end it ends in May right did they push it to May or is it in April uh, still? I'm not sure probably I would I'm not sure yeah um, it's somewhere in there either way we're not too far off from that and you got to figure they already know they're not going to bring Brooks back and have been getting feelers out there for guys that they may want to bring in uh, let's do the simple thing first. Let's just start with the in-house candidates. Uh, they're clearly going to have to promote someone if they choose to fire Brooks during the season. I'm not so sure that they're going to do that. They may just kind of play it professional and just let him finish out. Uh, but but if they do promote someone, um, it's probably going to be Tony Brown, who is the associate head coach. But let's pretend it's going to be someone else here. Uh, the other three candidates on the roster are David Atkins, Mike Longabardi, and Robert Pack. Now, based yeah. off what I know, I would probably prefer Robert Pack. But yeah. if they choose not to go with him and they choose not to promote Tony Brown, um, then I could see Mike Longabardi kind of getting the head seat there on the bench. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on the in-house candidates? Yeah, I, I would prefer I would prefer the former player um, who was known for his defensive grit. Um, but I'm not really sure what what Pac's role in the current staff is. What is he really? Right. I know Mike. I know Mike Longombardi is is the defensive guy. I mean, he was brought in this offseason um, kind of as an outsider um, to 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 kind of draw up the, the defensive schemes. Um. But yeah, I, I I don't I would I would lean I would leave Robert, Robert Pack on that. Um yeah, I would I would lean him on that and 
just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I don't know that even if they played better, if I would consider him long-term. But, I mean, if they choose to promote him and the team plays better, I would still give him an interview because I think when the Wizards have a big decision coming up as it relates to Beal in the offseason and all that, that they really just need to define which direction they want to go in. And I think the only way you can truly like pick your path and, and know that you did it correctly, like you went about it the right way, you have to you know do your due diligence and make sure that you interview guys who maybe you hadn't even considered before for the job. But I think it's going to be important for this coaching search to make sure that you interview a bunch of guys. It doesn't have to be like yeah. 20 or, or like 10 or something like that, but you know, like six, seven, uh, maybe eight. I mean, I mean, they need to interview a, a decent amount of people, maybe former coaches, college coaches, assistant coaches, whatever. It, it needs to be a diverse search. Um, and let's actually yeah. start here with, uh, well, we just started with the in-house candidates, but let's move to former head coaches who, um, either now are assistants or are jobless. Um, kind of alphabetical order here. Um, and one thing I will say about this list here um, with one of these coaches, and let's just go ahead and kind of get this out of the way now, I, I guess. Um, if the Wizards end up hiring Masai Ujiri, and I don't know what his relationship is with Dwayne Casey, but if the Piston, if the Pistons choose to move on from him, I could definitely see him at least getting an interview for the job. Now, he may not get it, but I could see Dwayne Casey at least getting an interview. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind him getting an interview. I just I wouldn't like to hire, but I, I no. surely wouldn't mind him getting an interview. Or maybe, like, they hire a young coach, and then they're like, okay, well, but we want you to bring this guy on as your associate head coach. I mean, I, I would like that. That'd be okay with me. Yeah, so you're saying hire a young guy and then bring like a, a veteran guy like a Casey on as the associate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Um. So again, alphabetical order here. Um. I don't expect you to remember all these names here, but if any of them um catch your ear, then just try to remember them. I guess. Um. So Kenny Atkinson, who we've talked about several times, Mike Brown, Mike D'Antoni, Ooh. Alvin Gentry. Lionel Hollins, Jeff Hornacek, Dave Yeager, Jason Kidd, Nate McMillan, mm-hmm. Jay Triano, Jacques Vaughn, and Mike Woodson. Yeah. Any of those names catch your ear? I like Nick McMillan. I've always liked Nate McMillan. Um, okay. I, I felt like he kind of got a raw deal with the uh the Pacers honestly. Yeah, um, I don't know what that was all about. I mean, I just I don't I didn't understand that. Like <laughs> I mean, what 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 did he not accomplish that you thought they should have accomplished with that roster? I mean, seriously. Like Ola Depot was hurt. Uh Miles Turner was kind of in and out of the lineup and you still managed to be a top 6 seed. Like Oh, actually, was they a were they a fourth seed? They was ahead of Miami, I believe. I think they were um, five, right? I think they were four, and Miami was five, and uh, then Miami beat them in the first round. I mean, so I guess it's kind of like, well, you know, you keep losing in the first round, but that to me is a coaching. It's just because you don't have the high end talent. 
<laughs> in the playoffs, right. you got to have the talent to be able to get over the hump. And, you know, I felt like McMillan maximized that roster. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't do it in the, I guess, the, the 2020 basketball way where you're shooting a bunch of threes and, you know, you're all these possessions every game, but he got results. So I would like him. Um, I, I think he should be interviewed for, for every opening coaching position. Um, but, uh, and then let me see uh, some of the other ones you mentioned. Uh, Mark Jackson definitely would be uh, on my list for consideration. Um, let me see. What else did you name? Uh, Here, what I can do really quick, um, I'll edit out this audio. I'll take a picture of my screen and I'll send it to you. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, I sorry. Because I, I got a list in front of me, but it don't it don't really line because I'm looking at Jeff Van Gundy. You know, I'm looking at uh you said Dan Antonio Dance, Brett Brown, like I those guys I actually I didn't say Brett Brown, but I guess that wouldn't be the worst option. Um, I would be so pissed if they hired Brett Brown. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, all right, you should have it now. You probably have to zoom in so it's not blurry, but um, it should be over there. But I'll go on here. Um, So the candidates from this list that I would interview or at least inquire about um, would be Kenny Atkinson. Um, Again, I'm with Dwayne Casey if Masai is hired. Um, I'm bringing in Jeff Hornacek or, or again, inquiring. Um, Dave Yeager. Jason Kidd, Nate McMillan, and Jock Vaughn from that list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like those names. Um, if we're if we're looking at we're just locking in on, on former head coaches. Yeah. I, I would even uh Alvin Gentry, I think, can get a look too. Maybe not as a head coach, but as one of those guys you bring in. Uh, as like a, a lead assistant behind a you know a younger guy, um, because he's yeah. from, he's from that uh, the Antoni tree and his offense, I think would benefit a guy like Beal, um, and Rui and and Denny. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind him either. But um, that's probably about as much as far as I would go with the the former head coaches. Yeah. Um... The the one kind of underdog here that I kind of like is Dave Yeager. And just because, I mean, he's a passionate guy. Um, you remember when the Grizzlies lost that playoff series after they made the playoffs. I mean, no one had expected them to, but they kind of got mm-hmm. in last second. Um, I mean, he was in tears. I mean, they, they had a really rough season that year, and he was still able to get them to the playoffs. And obviously a defensive guy. So yeah. that's kind of an underdog for me. Um, and he's from the former, former head coaches, uh, he's a, he's a former Dakota Wizards assistant. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. um, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. Uh, they they gotta they gotta cast a broad big net on this next coaching hire because they have to get it right. They have, they have to. to the, right. uh, th- there is no room for error. There just isn't. Um. Nope. So. Let's out of all the former head coaches, even if they're on this list or they aren't, who's your favorite candidate? Of all the formers, I'm gonna 
I'm going to probably go between. Ooh, Mark Jackson and Atkinson out of the former guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I, I like guys that 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 kind of do more with less. You know, where they where they, you know, there's no expectations or the, or there's expectations for them to be bad, and they they exceed those. Um, and I feel like the Wizards keep hiring guys that just kind of do the bare minimum. You know, they do what you're supposed to do with that particular roster, but they don't maximize guys. Yeah. Um, he, I didn't even put him on this list, but yeah, Mark Jackson is probably would be the top one for me. And then it's a probably a tie between Kenny Atkinson and Dave Yeager for me. Um, at number two, but let's go ahead and move on here to assistant coaches. And um, as you can see on the list here, it, it's kind of long. We're not going to go over every single one of them, but uh, I wanted to kind of point out a few from here. Uh, Chauncey Billups is one. I think that the kind of former player thing, and obviously he was an all-star. I mean, it's Mr. Big Shot right there. Um, I think yeah. that he's a guy that you probably need to hire some veteran coaches on your staff, but I mean, he's a guy who I could see them inquiring about and this isn't going to happen. I just put this name on here just because he kind of has connections to the organization and that's Karam Butler. So like maybe if um, a yes. coach gets hired and then they're like, well, yeah, Karam, let's get you back in DC and make you the associate or something like that. Um, maybe that's something that they could consider, but the, the names that I'm taking seriously on this list here, and you can add any that I don't have, um, but I have Sam Cassell, Darvin Ham, Becky Hammond, um, Ime Udoka, and Wes Unsell Jr. Those are like the main assistants for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've, I've always liked uh, Udoka, you know, coming mm-hmm. from the pop tree. But yeah, any anybody from the the Popovich tree, uh, I'm I'm down for. Uh, that includes Becky Hammond, uh, and then obviously, you know, we've talked about Wes Unser for a while. The breadcrumbs have, have been there for a while, uh, and, and Chauncey, Chauncey, and then uh, you know, Sam Cassell was here, um, with uh, who's that? Was that Whitman staff? Randy Whitman staff. Yes, and, and I thought he did wonders for John Wall. Uh, yeah, and Bill kind of getting that dog out of those two. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's the, kind of the role that Robert Pack is kind of playing because every time I see, uh, you know, the players on the sidelines kind of you know sulking or, or you know kind of trying to figure stuff out, it's always Robert Pack kind of right there. Here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I. I like all I like all of those. Yeah, um I definitely still think that Wes Unseld would be my pick at least from the assistants and maybe overall at the end we'll kind of give who we would prefer out of all the candidates but uh, definitely out of the assistants I'm definitely going with Wes Unseld Jr. again like it it makes too much sense at this point I think to really consider anyone else on this list maybe besides Sam Cassell 
and Becky Hammond. I mean, no one else is. I mean, it just it makes it so that you really can't even consider anyone else because it just makes too much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, why it won't happen. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff that makes sense don't happen here, but. <sighs> I mean, that mean can't talk about it, but uh, and what's and what's funny is you know we mentioned Mark Jackson, and I didn't even realize uh, after he left, after he left being an assistant here with us, that's where Weston Sarah Jr. went. He was an assistant under Mark Jackson. Oh yeah, with the Warriors. So it's just interesting, man. Uh, how some of these same names kind of you kind of come back to uh but yeah that would be uh those two would probably be my two to really lock in on um and it could be a situation where you get both of you i don't know in what capacity if wes is the head and mark is the head assistant or mark is that's what it would have to be yeah um because but, you can't yeah. move for a lateral hire, and um, Wes is already the associate head coach in Denver. Right, right. And then Mark right now doesn't have a job. So, yeah, maybe right. he would come on as assistant to kind of make sure he, you know, he knows all of the ropes as far as being a head coach and all that it entails. So, yeah, man, I, I'd be all for that. I'd be all for it. Because Jeff Hornacek was jobless, and now he's on Steven Silas' staff. So, yeah. 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 Um, all right. So final name from these assistants here, who you like? Um, I'm gonna go with Wes or Becky, but I mean if I have to pick one, I'm going Wes. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Wes. Well, I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go Wes, Adrian Griffin, um, under Nick Nurse staff in Toronto in Toronto, and then I'll mm-hmm. go I'll go Becky third. Okay, so I guess if I had to pick three, it would probably be um, Wes, Becky, and then Sam. But the Griffin thing also, again, would make sense, and we talked about this a little bit with Chase, is if they do decide to hire Masai Ujiri, if Masai wants to come here, that's a name that's going to come up immediately, and I guarantee you, even if they don't hire him... um, they at least just gave him an interview, and who knows? I don't know if he's the associate head coach on Toronto staff. I don't know if they have an associate head coach, but yeah, maybe I'm it's a thing where, like, yeah, we'll hire Wes, but we want Adrian over here as the associate so that he can get a job soon or something like that. So yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it it makes sense if they decide to go in that direction. I don't know that I'd consider him if Masai didn't come here, but um. It does make sense if Masai does come. So here's the more interesting part of this is the college coaches. And we were talking a little bit about this before we officially started recording, but it just, it's hard sometimes because some people value college sports more like I live in a college town um, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Like hockey is the, the big thing here. Uh, but it's they're one of the top in the nation on a consistent basis. Like you would think the Redskins or something like that would be big in the DC area. 
I mean, the fans up here with hockey, it's it's insane. And you have very good basketball programs, like some of the programs we're going to get into here in a second. And you just got to think, like, does it really make sense for these guys to leave their post to come work for Ted Leonsis and probably Tommy Shepard? It just, you know, there's levels to yeah. it. I'm sure <laughs> if, a, if there was a better organization that they'd consider it more. Um, but we'll go ahead and go over them anyway, just for kicks and giggles. Um, who are the coaches that you like? And then I can kind of get into mine. Yeah, uh, I mean, I tweeted this out a couple of days ago, but it's really only three that kind of hit my radar. Um, I've always been a fan of Jay Wright with Villanova. That product, he's that program he's built there, I think is second to none. Um, and that's with him not being able to get all of his five-star recruits, you know, like yeah. Kentucky and yeah. Dukes are able to get every year. I think he's every bit of what <laughs> Maryland fans uh, – thought Gary Williams would be. Uh, so, like, he, he to me, I think is, yeah, one of the best coaches in the game, bar none. Um, and then I would uh, – my other two would be um, Mark Few. Um, you know, obviously his program with uh, Gonzaga and what he's been able to do there. Um, and then, obviously, you have some – Gonzaga Bulldog. You have a Gonzaga Bulldog already here in DC. You might have another one, <laughs> depending on what you draft this year. It sucks. Uh, you know, and he's all he's another guy that's always had built a good program, had a good program and, and team, no matter what his recruiting class was. Um, and then I would say finally, uh, uh uh, I would say those would be my two. Um, I mean, I like I like the guy from Virginia, Bennett, but ah, yeah, nah. I, I I'll just go with those two. Um, few Mark Few and Jay Wright. Okay, so those are pretty much the three that I had. So, um, my only thing with Mark Few is if you look at Gonzaga's conference, they really don't play a ton of tough opponents. The national rankings still really like them. Um, they've been in the top five for, what, like the, the past two, three seasons, maybe longer, I'm not sure. But Gonzaga's been up there recently, and it definitely does make sense. And I've said this before, talked about it with Chase. If you can get Jalen Suggs in here, you already have two of his former players on the roster. I mean, it makes a, a ton of sense and it's not like yeah. it's just, Oh, two former players, like their second round that undrafted and ended up making the team. Like, no, like, like they're two of his most legit talents that he's had. So, yeah. um, I don't know again, why he would ever want to leave Gonzaga to come coach the wizards, but yeah, I mean, he's he needed any since... incentives. I mean, that's he, it. He's been there since 89. Like, why would he leave now? Right, <laughs> he's fifty-eight years old. I think he's pretty much set. He's a Zach lifer. Yeah, I don't really see it either. Yeah, I, I think that the most realistic one from the college coaches is Jay Wright. But yeah. 
Jay Wright was only interested in the Philadelphia job because it was local. Would he want to come interview for the Wizards job? I, I mean, maybe. There's a lot of intrigue with the roster for college coaches, and I say that because the team, if you move on from Beal and you bring in like a Michael Porter or a young player or something like that, the team is young. You know, they'll be more willing to listen to you and kind of adapt to your system because we saw in Cleveland that didn't work. Well, it didn't work because Cleveland had a bunch of veterans. Cleveland isn't that young of a team. Yeah. So when you have yeah. Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, um, Larry Nance, and whoever else, I mean, really the only players that you're probably even going to get part of an ear from are Sexton and Garland because yeah. everyone else is better. And then uh, Okoro now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much everybody else is a vet on that team for the most part. Yeah, so that's why um, that coach didn't work out there. That was Belon, right? I thought it was – yeah, I think so. I don't know why the guy LeBron had is sticking out to me, uh, the, the the guy from Russia that was coaching in the Russian league. Uh, dang, what is his name? David Blatt. Mm, Blatt, yeah. But that might have been before. Yeah. Um, well, because Beeline was hired la- last year, and he only lasted like a few months. Okay, so that's what it was. Okay, so yeah, he's more recent there. Yeah, David Black yeah. was before. Yeah, David Black was – yeah, because Beeline was recent because Sexton and Garland were still on the team. Like, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, but, you right. Yeah, yeah Black it, was 14 or 16, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it would be a disaster if you hired a college coach like that and you ask a bunch of veterans to buy in and then like if, if it's Jay Wright or something like that, then and he's out in four or five months and you already committed to him for four to five years. Because then the next coaching hire they make is just going to be someone cheap. Um, But yeah, I think Jay Wright's the most realistic of that. But I think the... I would like Mark Few the most out of these guys, but... Tony Bennett, I think, should also get considered, not just because of the local ties as he's the head coach of Virginia, but he's very defensive-oriented. Um, He runs a, a pack-line defense, which I don't know would adjust at the NBA level. He would definitely have to change that, given the differences in shooting between the college and pro levels, because essentially, for those who don't know what a, a pack-line defense is, it's very... um. It stops penetration. The idea is between the ball and your man, you kind of want to be a few steps back off your man to help on the ball handler in case he drives your side, which ideally, if you perform the offense correctly, leaves a shooter open every single time. And with the three-point line being extended out at the NBA level, which means more spacing, it's kind of hard to commit to guys like that on a consistent basis off the bounce. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to help off the drive. I mean, you see it in the NBA. There's certain ways you can do that. And 
the first way I would say is being, well, learn to stay in front of your guy, which literally one to two guys on our current roster can do. Um, (laughs) But so he would have to change his scheme up a little bit, but I definitely think for the defensive principles and for the local ties, and he's won a championship and that UVA team was not very talented. Um, Well, they, they had some talent, but it's not like they were the most talented school ever or something like that. Like their best player was DeAndre Hunter. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So um I still definitely think that Tony Bennett should be considered. If he wanted to interview, I'm definitely interviewing. If he wanted the job, I'm still probably going to give it to West Jr. But after that, if any of those college coaches wanted to come and coach the Wizards, I'm probably giving them a blank check. Do you have a, a – what do you weigh more as far as head coaching candidacy? Uh, NBA experience as an assistant or championship success as a college coach? I just think it matters more like – Because, yeah, those things are nice, but, I mean, for me, and it's hard to say because, like, we're obviously not a part of the process. We're fans, but I think just getting to sit down with guys and meeting and talking with them individually, you know, finding out what they're like, what was their unique experience kind of getting into the business, what do they think the vision could be um, for the team, and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I think that each is valuable in its own respect because – that's kind of like in jobs in real life, you know, are you going to hire, like if you're looking for a manager, are you just going to hire um, one of the cashiers or are you going to hire someone who maybe is a manager at a different company or something like that? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to want to listen to everyone. So I don't think that I would weigh one necessarily more than the other. Um. Which is why it makes it so difficult to say, like, for sure who you would want them to bring in. Which is why, again, I think that they need to have a lengthy coaching search. Because they can't just come away with two to three guys, interview them, and call it a day, and pick one. No. Like, you need to interview guys from different backgrounds. (laughs) Or in the case with Brooks, I don't even think – did Brooks even interview for the job? I think he they they just basically reached out to him and just offered it. I don't even yep. think he he like there was like a competition or or search really. It was like we want Scott Brooks and they called him and they just basically worked out contract detail. Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing. It's just, <laughs> just crazy, so crazy. It's, um, it's almost as if they knew he was bringing Kevin Durant with him. <laughs> Right, like, and that was the thing, was, like, he was hired so quick, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, now we're getting Kevin Durant. He didn't even meet with us. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so Oh, man, it's laughable, man. So laughable. I think that Scott Brooks would be a better head. It's not like he has to do anything special either. It's literally... Just have some design for your offense, have rotations that make sense, and then, like, you're fine with me. Like, even with the defensive struggles, but, like, you can't be terrible all around. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. He, he, they they put up points and they lead in pace and all that, but it's like yeah, well, when you're kind of running down and back and forth yeah. and throwing the ball to the other team, and it's like yeah, you're gonna be high up in pace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 leading the league in possessions, pace, like so. You're gonna score. Your points per game are gonna be high just off of that. Um, but when anybody actually watches the Wizards, you don't you don't feel like you're watching a juggernaut offense. Even last year, when they yeah, were sitting, yeah. you know, top five offensively, to me it was just because Bertans, and then when Bill started getting going, even even Isaiah Thomas was hitting threes. Like I just think they were just hitting threes at such a high clip, like even contested threes. Like it was just like you know they were sitting top three in the league in offense, but. You know, when you watch them and you break down the plays they run in a half court set, especially when the games get tight, it's horrible. Yeah, um, they're, they're just horrible, playing rec man. ball, and that's why, like, yeah. any anyone can have that type of offense, and you can be like, "Oh yeah, well, we're, we're top five in offense. We're the best offensive team in the league. We lead the league in pace." Blah blah blah. But if you're letting everyone just come down and jack shots with eighteen, seventeen seconds. Um, the shot clock or whatever, like, yeah, you're you're going to get a lot of shots. You're ideally going to get a lot more points because you're taking more shots. At least that's what yeah. the analytics will tell you. So that's why um, you need structure because it helps you win. Y- you can talk about having the best offense and all this, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you need to control a pace. You need to make teams feel worried about you when you have the ball. No one's worried about the Wizards when they have the ball. They just happen to make some shots and play at a fast pace. It doesn't mean anyone's scared of them. No one is scared of the Wizards' no. offense. No. I mean, you, you you worried about Bradley Beal, but outside of that, no. That's not really um, – because you, there's, no, there's no structure or design that forces you to have to guard all five guys. You know, you watch other, like, the real elite offenses in the league. Yeah, you have a guy that's going to take the majority of the shots. But as a defense, you're still, you still have to worry about every guy on the floor because every guy is touching the ball. There isn't just one guy going one on four and four other guys just watching. Or one guy just screening, rolling, and then everybody else just spotting up. Like, it's, it's, that's just basic basketball. Um, and then that's just what Scott Brooks has been, even back to his OKC days, because that's all he did with the Thunder. But it worked because you got Kevin Durant, Harden, and Russell Westbrook, who in their peak are all Hall of Fame level scorers. So, yeah. you know, it worked there. But when you're talking about maximizing guys, young talent, um, you know, or, or talent that isn't Hall of Fame level, the warts kind of stick out, you know, so. Um, and then he's never really been a defensive guy to me. Like, uh, like he's just never been that. So, you know, five years here, he's never had a top 15 defense. Like, that's terrible to me. And so I'll try and relate this to um, somebody. And it's not on the same level of basketball, but I guess I'll kind of relate to Brooks for a second in this regard. So um, my high school coach, uh, Coach Fraser, very nice guy. Um, one of the best coaches I've ever had uh, was a very important person in, in my life when I was coming up. Anyway, um, we have a basic dribble drive offense at Liberty High School. Uh, it's four out, one in, 
you know, drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. It's just based off attack in the basket. Mm-hmm. When it when it came time to my senior year, we didn't have any natural athleticism. We didn't have any guys that could really hurt you off the bounce. Mm-hmm. And when he realized this, he tried changing our offense to a five out, things that are better for us because then we don't really have to touch the ball um, and it's more based off shooting from the perimeter, which guys like myself were good at. So uh, mm-hmm. we tried making the adjustment there, but because we hadn't ran that before, because for three years straight and even longer, um, if you go to the camps and all that, when you're in middle school or even when you're younger than that, you're learning about um, the attack attack offense. So five out, was something totally new to us and for the life of us like we couldn't pick it up for whatever reason so we eventually ended up going back to to what we knew even though we necessarily weren't good at it but it was just about the comfort level I guess and I was comfortable Mm -hmm. with five out I preferred it personally but for the better whole of the team it was better to just go back um to what everyone for the most part was comfortable with. Now we ended up going one and 19. We weren't good. Uh, But I guess I just kind of wanted to compare that to Brooks because everyone's like, ah, well change your offense, change your defense, this and that. But it's like, if you can't already pick up what you're learning now, what makes you think that guys are going to be able to pick up something totally new. So I relate with him in that regard. But my thing is, that was all in the span of a season. You have he's had like three, four years now to like change it up a little bit, and he's just refused to. Like you literally have months to implement a new system or put sprinkles in, if, if you will. It doesn't have to change completely overnight, but over time you change, and he's still just really. I mean, if he has, you can't really tell, I guess, but. He hasn't made any adjustments. And that's my biggest no. frustration with him. Yeah, I, and I don't really understand. I mean, I guess he would use the excuse of, you know, COVID and in a short offseason kind of limiting practice time. So literally the games are your practice uh, to implement new concepts and strategies and whatnot. But um, And then having a young team, you know, that hasn't really seen much, you know, it might take longer for those guys to to grasp different concepts. Um, but again, this is year five of this. Like even when you had the veteran team of 2018, you didn't defend at a high level and you didn't really create an offense that that was that scared anybody in a half court. Like so mm-hmm. You know, and then when at our, you know, your first year when you had a ready-made playoff team um, from Randy Whitman, uh, you know, it was still just the same basic stuff. Like, uh, you know, John Wall and pick and roll and uh, y'all just standing in the corner, you know, catch and shoot. And then Mm -hmm. that was really it. And then defensively, it was just kind of, they played it in spurts. Like, it was just, to me, it was kind of like a, you know, a passive-aggressive defensive team. Like, all right, yeah, we're going to run up and down, run up and down. And in the fourth quarter, we'll try to play some defense, get a couple enough stops to win the game. Um, but it wasn't really any, like, principal strategy and effort from 
tip off to the end of the game, like you would see with like the Spurs or the Warriors, uh, you know, when they were winning, winning titles. Um, it's just, to me, it's just always been just kind of like YMCA ball, like, and it was just leaning on your talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so rightfully, you know, when we would lose the players who would get the blame, the people that would get the blame is the wall and the bill, you know, because Brooks is laying it at their feet. Everything is based off of what they're doing or not doing. So, but that to me is not coaching. Like if you're going to do that, you might, as, you don't need a coach. You might as well, like, like Kyrie say, it's just vibes. Y'all just out there just doing y'all thing. Right. Right. <laughs> we don't have a coach. <laughs> so. Right. Yep. I think that's kind of what Steve Nash is there doing anyway. I don't really know if he's really coaching these guys up. But you know what, though? They can get away with it. With them, two, with yeah. them three dudes, they can get away with it. And Joe Harris, I mean, you, it's pretty much, it. yeah, you three go score. If you can't, just lob it up to DeAndre, kick it out to Joe, and we'll take care of the rest. I mean, it really is as simple as that. It really is, man. That's really that's, it really is. You got three of the best scores ever. Like, come fourth quarter, just give it to one of them and get the hell out of the way. Yeah. That's really it. Um, so. Let's see. So, uh, out of all the guys that we talked about, who are you picking if you're the GM? Now, l- let's let's pretend that Masai gets hired. Or, okay, let's actually do this. Let's do this. Masai gets hired. Give me the five candidates that we talked about that you're interviewing. Okay, uh, top five, top five. I'm going to go uh, Wes Unsell Jr. for sure. Okay. Um, and, and then you'll notice a trend with all these guys. They're all defensive guys. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Wes, Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, I'll go Adrian Griffin. Again, another defensive guy. What he was able to do with that zone over there in Toronto uh, under Nick Nurse. And then obviously the ties with Masai. Uh, yeah, so I'll go those two. I'll go uh, I'll go uh, Kenny Atkinson. I'll go Mark Jackson. And then probably my fifth guy or fifth gal, I'll go I'll go Becky Hammond. Okay. Yeah, I'll go those five. Okay, so I think I would do Becky Hammond, Wes Unseld, Adrian Griffin. I'm debating between Mark Few or Anthony or um, Tony Bennett. Um, I guess I'll go Mark Few, and then I would also interview Dave Yeager. That would be my five. So mm. one former head coach. You really like Dave Yeager. Uh, yeah, I've always just kind of been a Dave Yeager fan. Um, I think that yeah. he would need an offensive guy in-house, but um, again, another defensive coach, and, and that's something that we really need here. So, yeah. But yeah, that'd be my five. Um, again, the, the college coach, I'm still kind of – I'm not sure which out of those three, like if all three of them wanted a job, I'm not sure which one I would hire, but I'm leaning Mark Few just because of the Rui and Jalen Suggs connection. Um, But if they don't end up getting 
Jalen Suggs, then I probably wouldn't do Mark Few, and I'd probably go with Tony Bennett. But um, because I don't think you hire someone based off one player. I mean, it's not like Rui's Kevin Durant or Giannis or LeBron or someone like that. Um, Not yet, anyway. He's got time. Um, But yeah, that's probably the five I'm rolling with. And then out of those five that you said, who were you hiring? I'm going Wes. Wes Unsell Jr., man. Um, I mean, all I hear is, is you know, kind of how his, his fingerprints are all over their defense and the development of, of Jamal Murray and, and Joe Kick there. So uh, we could use some of that here, man. We could, we could really, really use some of that. And, and I wouldn't – I'm pretty sure he's at the top of their list. I really think when they were doing their due diligence and and there was a possibility of bringing Tim Connolly in, I really think they probably would have made a switch out right then and there as far as far as the head coach was concerned and and made him the guy. But obviously, all of that fell through because you know Ted didn't want to spend dollars, so you know. But or maybe because be maybe they didn't want to hire Connolly because they wanted to hire Masai. Like if if that was the re like maybe yeah, they didn't yeah, want yeah. to pay Tim because they like if that's the reason then that's okay with me but then you have to bring, I mean you, you have to bring Messiah like you have to right right you don't want to spend you know it you know I guess in Ted mind it's like well well damn if I'm gonna spend seven million for Tim Connolly then I might as well spend the ten and get Messiah right you know <laughs> so yeah I get it I get it but that means you got to go get Messiah. And who knows? I don't know when Tim Connolly's contract is up, but maybe if it doesn't work out with Messiah, maybe they can revisit Connolly this summer. But um, if he is under contract, then they're going to have to pry him from there. And I'm not giving up draft capital at that point. I'd just rather go with a young GM or something like that. Right. Um, or or just stick with Tommy, like give him a year extension and then reevaluate next offseason or something like that. But um, yep. but I definitely think that, yep. But, Wes is the guy. That's the guy that I would pick as well. Um, you know, was, we obviously know the local connection with his dad's the best player in franchise history. Uh, Wes Jr. was an assistant here um, back when, and he has worked his way up the ranks. He's currently the associate head coach of the Denver Nuggets. So, I mean, it just makes too much sense. And I said this as well. If they do decide to trade Beal, and they make a trade with the Nuggets for Michael Porter, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and some picks. Let's just pretend. I mean, Wes already knows those guys that are coming in. So all of this is making too much sense. But, I mean, I'm hoping that that's kind of the direction that they go in. I mean, like uh, I was saying earlier, I think, I think West fits no matter what direction you go. Whether you go yeah, rebuild, yeah, trading bill for picks, or whether you go, you know, keeping bill and building around him or retooling around him, I think West fits either one of those because I think he can slide into any situation similar to what, what Silas is doing over there in Houston. No matter what direction they go, I think they made the right hire and West Unsell Jr. here, but I mean, it just it just makes too much sense. So of course, it's not gonna happen. But when you hope. no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess that's kind of where we'll leave off the the coaching search pod. I know it, it probably sounded kind of rocky. So if you guys listen as long as you did, we appreciate it. Um, 
is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we get out of here? Um, eventually, we're going to do a trade deadline pod. Uh, just kind of see like what we would want them to do. But, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to go over recent games? Do you want to talk about Bertans or maybe trade ideas or anything like that? You know what? I'm I'm still holding out hope on Bertans. I don't want to I don't want to throw him under the bus just yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm still holding out hope, man. I'm just hoping that it, you know it was COVID. He wasn't in shape. COVID hit. He had to sit some more. You know, he's still trying to get his lungs back. And 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 we'll say, come March, we looking at the Bertans we had last year because that guy is worth eighty million. The guy we've been seeing, he ain't worth forty million. So no. So we'll see. Yeah, you definitely got to hope that he comes back because even if you decide to move on from Beal, you can still keep Bertans on the roster, and that's a tremendous asset for um, being around Denny and Rui, just kind of a guy you can kind of go to to get a shot on the perimeter um, or for the next point guard in in the pick-and-pop game. So uh, I I definitely don't think that if you trade Beal, it means you should trade Bertans, but I'm definitely hoping that, yeah, we, we do see him get back to normal. But I, I don't think he's going to get there this season. I think we're definitely going to have to wait until next year once he gets a full off season under his belt. So, Agreed. Which is sad um, because, as we said, coming into the year, and, and everyone knew this, the, the team needed to win games. This was not the year to lose, and they're 6-15. and 15. So yep. it's very frustrating. But – um. All right. Anything else, or are we good? Sounds good to me. All right, guys. So, thank you once again for tuning into another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. We will see you next time. <laughs>